Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Nuggets Nation, you're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Pickaxe Podcast. We are back again. Uh, I am Zach Mikosh, of course, with DenverStiffs.com, and today we're we're joined uh, first by Gordon Gross, all the way down there in Colorado Springs. Gordon, what's up, buddy? Not much, man. Just a lazy weekend after the thrilling summer league games we all got to watch. I'm just, you know, recovering from that, so. (laughs) From all the intense, high-level action. Exactly. (laughs) Right on. And then also joining us, actually sitting right across from me as I'm, I'm joining him down in Littleton today, is Dan Lewis. Dan, what's up? Not a whole lot. Just didn't watch very much Summer League, so I'm doing really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we have a whole half of the podcast dedicated to Summer League, and then Dan tells us right before we're going, hey, uh, I didn't watch too much Summer League, so it's okay. It's okay. We're going we're gonna to power through nonetheless. Um, so that's what, yeah, that's obviously what we want to talk a lot about is, is of course, the Summer League. Um, that is over now. Nuggets finished that up yesterday. We're recording this on Saturday. Uh, after that, though, I do want to get into a couple other things. I want to talk a little bit more about the offseason. I thought Tim Connolly had a pretty interesting comment about Mason Plumlee. Um, Dan had a pretty cool article about some trades he thought the Nuggets might want to pursue, so we'll talk about that. Um, and then we can still talk about this crazy roster balance. Uh, and then finally... Uh, I want to talk about I want to talk about jerseys because it's the Paul Millsap presser. It was a little bit odd uh, the jersey they had him holding, um, and then what we what we heard afterwards. And then we'll wrap up. We'll we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Nuggets and their D League and lack thereof of an affiliate. And that'll be our show. So we'll, let's go ahead. We'll dive right in. Uh, we'll start with the, with, the, with the big story of the week, which is of course summer league. Um, and I want to start with the guy who I think was the most uh, most prominent guy out there for the Nuggets, which was Malik Beasley. Gordon, let me go to you first. Malik, he had a good summer league in terms of he scored lots of points. He took lots of shots, though, wasn't so efficient. What do you think? I mean, is Malik a guy who's going to make it in the NBA, or is he kind of always going to be a fringe guy who's going back and forth between the D-League? I, I really think he's he's stuck in the... 
um, Will Barton in Portland role right. where there's guys in front of him. I mean, he's still, uh, you know, he's now the age that I think Will was when he came out. Um, but it's I his skill set is not designed to be a, a number one option. The guy should be a catch and shoot baller who weeks out on in transition like he should have a Corey Brewer role. And uh, they need to understand that, except he can shoot threes. Like, right. he's going to be a good shooter. His his form's great. His athleticism is ridiculous. Like, Malik has all the sorts of skills to be a, a very good pro for a while, but he's a he's a bench guy. Like, that that's your guy off the bench who's your spot-up shooter on the wing. Or if he's running with the big dogs, he's not taking shots. He's filling in. If I'm a wide-open three, then I'll get the ball. Yeah, otherwise I'm back cutting to the hoop and I'm leaking out in transition. Like that's it. That's his role. Right. Yeah, and I think I think you're right kind of with the, the I think the Will Barton in Portland um comparison is apt. I think he's one of these guys who has a lot of talent, but it's hard to find where he's gonna get a uh, spot in the rotation with with the Nuggets right now. Uh and I think I, I mean, if he wanted that, ideally right now he'd need to be a, a perimeter defender, and I just don't think it, he's that kind of guy. He's got some athleticism. We saw him make a great block, uh, chase down block in summer league, but I don't think he ever is going to profile as as a great defender. Uh, and I think you're well, he right. He can't have good court awareness, man. Like his, uh, uh, you watch him in summer league, and he got anywhere he wanted to get on the court. He's like, I can blow by this guy, and I'm going to go up right. and dunk. And oh wait, there's three more guys at the rim all of a sudden. Where did they come from? Like he, that stuff happened all the time where he would get under the basket and then say, huh, there were more defenders here than there were when I started this drive. Right. It, it was very, it, it, he's not ready in a understanding the league, understanding um, defensive rotations, either on offense or defense. Yeah. So you can't really have that guy, you know, handling the ball and taking the drives and making the passes and because he doesn't see it yet. He's, he's too young and he's a, he's a project. They said he was. And he definitely is. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, what do you think about uh, Malik? I think this is one thing that I try to do when I'm scouting college players as well for the NBA draft. But you have to try to project what kind of role they're going to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Because like someone like Malik Beasley in Summer League, like, he was taking 25, 30 shots a game. Like, he's right. never going to have that role for the Nuggets. Right. But like, what, what are the things that he can work on in summer league that can project to his regular season NBA role. You know, like Gordon is saying, spot up shooting. I think it's great that he's, it looks like he's added a lot of strength to his frame. I think that that could go a long ways for his one-on-one defense Mm -hmm. because the way the Nuggets guards rotation is they have a bunch of guys that are like six foot four, six foot five. They can switch between the one and two. And I think Malik with his size could be a good point guard defender at even while playing at off-ball on offense, just in a bench role. Yeah. And if he's in that kind of a role where he can just catch and shoot and then play good, solid man-on-man defense and rebound as well for a guard in smaller lineups, um, I think that could be a great role for him. I, I don't think he... I, I don't expect him to become a starter. That's like a very low percentage ceiling for him. Yeah, I would agree. But I, I think it's very likely that he becomes a... Seventh, eighth man off the bench, just a someone that you can put in for a couple minutes. He's not going to hurt you with the second unit, but he's you know he might get get hot and make a couple threes and help power a run. But uh, th- there's a lot of value in finding those guys that sure you know, can like fill a role that's valuable on a cheaper contract 
and like develop that guy and have it be it's like a culture guy, like a, a Nick Collison for Oklahoma City, like helps yeah. him instill the culture, a good leader, plays hard, but isn't a starter, but is someone that can stick with the franchise for 12 years. Right. It sounds like we're kind of all in the same agreement here, which is, is I think Malik's ceiling uh, is probably sixth man. That's, that's really, I think, the most you could ever hope to get out yeah. of him. Um, you know, maybe uh, if it works out as best as possible, I think he's a guy who like maybe can get a six man of the year sometime in his career. But I don't think you're ever looking at him as being like one of your one of your key starting um, components. And, and even even making him like a six man of the year type guy, I think is a long shot um, as well. But well, he's still twenty. Like I mean, we're we're talking about a guy who's right. You know, I, there are guys we drafted, you know, Monte Morris, who's a couple years older than that. And we're talking about, you know, what kind of bench role he can have. Great. While Malik is, you know, Malik's a baby still. Yeah. Um, you know what, though, so I thought it, was you an know, interesting still thing. There. Um, we were talking about last night with uh, with Adam, and, and he brought up a really good point, was that, you know, how, how can the Nuggets develop Malik? Um, and like I said, we're going to get into their D-League issues, but how can they develop Malik? to be more of a role player when they're sending him down to Sioux Falls and all he's kind of doing there is, you know, he's being the, the scorer, just like we saw here in the summer league. So it's, yeah, I think know, that's a huge, it's a huge problem. And not having a summer league team for this, for this team where you want to stock it with 19 year olds yeah. is just idiotic. It's just stupid. Right. It's short sighted. There's no good reason that everyone else in the entire league bought a summer league team. And you were like, well, I didn't catch on. I guess we're out of summer league teams. There's nothing I can do now. Right, like, right. It makes no sense at all for the kind of team you're developing that you skipped out on an entire developmental team that you could have had. It's just – I don't understand. It's cheap. Let's be honest. That's, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. what it is. <laughs> um, and it, it, Look, and the thing that bugs me about that um, is it's got to happen – Sooner or later, you eventually you're going to be. Oh like, yeah, twenty nine teams are going to have an affiliate, and they're not going to want to take your guys on um, on their D League team to develop them because they're going to be developing. Their We're almost guys. going to be there this year. We're going to be. Well, I mean, yeah, who are you going to put them like with? We have. Left. Well, and how many guys do we want to put down there? Like, how many guys are you trying to get down there? You have Leiden. You still have Beasley. You know, like how mm-hmm. many guys you have Monte Morris? Mm-hmm. How many guys do you think you can shove onto some other person's team before they're like, "No, nah, man, I got my own guys." Right. Right. Well, let's tell you what. I want to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it up here because we're. I want to get yep. back to that in the second half of the show because I really want to spend a whole a whole bunch kind of talking about this D League thing. Um, but let's let's keep it. Let's keep it with the uh, summer league and the other guy who comes from the Nuggets roster, which is uh, which is Wancho Hernan Gomez. Wancho, of course, only played I think two games and then he was off to uh, play with the Spanish international team. Um, Three, but yeah. But, but but the number one thing I think we saw in summer league was. They were trying Wancho out at small forward because they really have no backup small forward on the roster right now. Um, <laughs> Dan, what do you think? Is Wancho a kind of player who can play small forward? I think so. I think just the way that the league is trending, the difference between small forward and power forward is a lot closer than it used to be, right. even just like 10 years ago. Yeah. And like there, there are some things that Wancho kind of struggled with, but I... I don't want to say, like, okay, he struggled with it in Summer League because he just had LASIK surgery. Right. And, like, you try walking around with your vision muddled and, like, dribbling to basketball against and athletes. And those Horace Grant goggles. Right. right. Like, I, I saw, I've i seen him dribble the ball in an NBA game, so I'm not going to be too harsh for him on a Summer League game. Right. But, like, I, I think if the Nuggets can find 
like, well, I mean, like Paul Millsap or Trey Lyles or who knows what Tyler Lydon will become. <laughs> but, like, these kind of guys where you can switch in between the three and four, like, they're going to be switching on defense. They have similar roles on offense, of, you know, a, put the ball in the deck if they need to, shoot from the three. Jokic is the creator. Mm-hmm. And then they have a playmaking guard or two. Like, they, they have these roles that they can fit into. And I think Guancho can play the three for the Nuggets. He, if if Otto Porter can be a small forward in the NBA and, like, struggle to dribble but still play good defense and shoot well from three, I think that Juancho Hernan Gomez That's... can do the same thing. That's a really good comparison, actually, Otto Porter, because you're right. He's a guy who's like, like, and this is what I took out of watching Wancho in Summer League, was like, if you want to put him in an ISO at the three-point line and then expect him to put the ball on the floor and get to the lane, you're going to struggle with that. Like, he struggled with that in summer against Summer League competition. I don't think there's any chance he's going to be able to really pull that off with regularity um, at the NBA level. But that's a really good point because you're right. Otto Porter, Otto Porter is kind of like that as well. He's not a guy who's going to um, gonna play that type of isolation game. But he's really effective. I mean, he got a max contract. So it's definitely – I think you're right in that sense. And, and I thought also a good point that you made was that on the Nuggets. Because, again, the Nuggets don't need that wing player – um, to be the facilitator of the offense, to initiate the offense, right? That's that's coming through uh, either Jokic or point guard. I, I want to make another point, too. One one criticism I see a lot is that they'll say, Wancho can't play small forward because he can't defend LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Like, <laughs> show can? me a list of players <laughs> yeah. that can yeah. defend those two people. They'd be like, they'd be like oh, well, you know... Scottie Pippen can't play small forward because Larry Bird scored 40 points on him. Like, right. Larry, led, you know, Larry Bird is one of the best small forwards ever. Kevin Durant's one of the best scorers ever. So if your criticism is he can't stop Kevin Durant, like, like who are you trying to find? Like, yeah, yeah that's exactly. Not, that's, not, that's, that's, a that's not the straw bar. man argument. Yeah. Like, well, he can't defend yeah, this yeah. guy. Be like, well, no one can. Exactly. So let's just find what he can be good at and apply that, you know. Criticism to him there, right? No, yeah, he can't be good at rebounding, which makes me happy, man. Like, yeah, if you can get some great rebounding out of your small forward, and while you can play somebody like Millsap who can also rebound, and Wancho, or rather uh, Jokic, who's a tremendous rebounder for a guy who can't jump over a soup can, like those guys are, you can finally limit guys to one shot. Like the biggest problem that Denver winds up with is letting guys get off multiple shots. If you can get enough guys on the court who can rebound and who like to rebound at all positions, if you, even if you can't play defense, at least get the ball out of their hands after they do miss one, and you'll be better off. That would help the defense anyway. Yeah. So yeah. I don't have any problem playing him at small forward and letting him do, you know, be a bigger guy at small forward and be able to out-rebound his competition and be able to rebound in with the trees, which he can already do. That's fine with me. Right, and like with the team that he played for in Spain, Estudiantes, yeah. he played center. Yeah. So he's, he's still exactly. learning the in and outs of playing on the wing, having to have a different role and responsibility on offense. But we, like Gordon says, we know he can rebound. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he can contest shots well. He can shoot well from three. Yeah. Like, we've seen him shoot well in NBA games. Like, yeah. Don't yeah, worry, don't worry too much about how he shot in summer league because we've seen him shoot well against actual NBA players. Like, a lot of the summer guys... Yeah. Some of the guys exactly. Are not be in the yeah, NBA next year. Right. It doesn't matter. Well, and the other thing is, I don't know why he decided to have LASIK like a week before summer league I think when he had was, three months off. No, it wasn't like that. I think he got poked in the eye or something in a practice, and then they had to do LASIK to uh, to fix it. That's I think what happened. Oh, um, if I'm correct, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I'm 
pretty sure. I that's think what I think you're right. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Way. So I'll tell you what, we're gonna um, we're gonna sh- well let's let's move on to the next two guys I want to talk about, which are our uh, international our draft and stash guys right now. Other than obviously Vlatko Chanchar, who is uh, playing with the Slovenian national team, so he was not <laughs> at summer league. Um, however, Peter Cornelly and and I'm going to emphasize this because drives me nuts. Uh, Nikola Radicevic, not Radicevic, yep. Radicevic. Um, those two guys got ample minutes in the uh, in the in the summer league. I thought personally, I thought Cornelly looked looked awful. I, I thought he looked exactly kind of what you would expect out of a guy who was a, a bench player on a mediocre European league last season. Um, Radicevic was a mixed bag. He had some. He had some really nice moments. He had some good passes. He looked comfortable at times. Other times, he looked completely lost and it was creating silly turnover, silly turnovers for the for the Nuggets. Um, Gordon, are either of these guys going to ever end up making it over into the NBA? Uh, you call them draft and stash, but if you're stashing them, that means it's something of value. <laughs> Uh no, I don't think they have NBA value. Thank you. Fair enough. So, yeah, they they uh, they have been drafted and they are playing in Europe, but I do not expect them to be stashed because that would mean that they're coming over here. They are right. they are not stashed. Um, I don't see Cornelly. I don't. That guy was a ghost. Mm-hmm. Like in summer league, like it was bad. And I know that he's not the tallest guy, or well, he's not the biggest guy. He's pretty tall. He's not the he's not the biggest guy. He's not the best shot blocker. But if your claim to fame is like, well, I can hang out and I can shoot long and I have like a small forwards game in a six eleven body, then you'd better have that game. And he showed none of it. He doesn't. Yeah, he just he looks really um, just not not talented. I guess is the best way to put it. He's just not. He was less talented than after the draft. Like when we drafted him, you're like, oh, I can see some things, and I think he took a step back. Yeah. Like I, I he looked he looked like he got paid and then didn't care. That was a that wasn't good. He didn't get paid by us, no, but yeah, he, but, yeah. he, but whatever he got in in Europe was enough. Apparently, I don't know what happened to him. Well, but and so what's interesting though, I mean, he's been around the facility a lot this summer, uh, so I think he definitely he definitely wants me in the NBA. I think he wants to definitely put forth that effort, but I just don't. I just don't. Nah, think, you know, at some point, I you gotta have God given talent, and I just don't think he has right. It. Um, what Evdijevic's problem is, uh, it's hard for me to tell based on his. Uh, like he's he was throwing passes that he was never going to have a shot to complete. Yeah, exactly. Um, and maybe that worked in Europe, and it won't work here. It's not that his vision's bad. He started off pretty well in summer league, and he devolved. Whereas Monte Morris went the other way, took a minute to get his footing, and then figured out summer league and was like, "Oh no, I got this." Right. Um, and so that was really good to see on one hand. But Radicevic, or sorry, Radicevic, when I don't mess with that up. That's right. Um, you know, uh, Nikola didn't do a good job. He he lost his ability to go ahead and uh, make things happen on the court. He wasn't able to finish inside. He had stupid turnovers on the on the wing. Like not even anywhere near anybody. Not even like being pressed. He would just you know hit a guy in the face with the ball. I don't even know right. what he was doing. The thing so thought- yeah. It, not the ready. thing I thought that was interesting that you said was, um, you know, he was trying passes that he couldn't pull off in the summer league. And what what I go back to is two years ago we saw Emmanuel Moutier trying to pull yeah. off passes in summer league, but he was actually pulling them off. And then right. he tried to pull them off in the actual NBA, and he turned and that he had like eleven out. turnovers in a game, right? So, right. if Radicevic can't even pull it off in summer league, like 
then then I think there's no hope. The other thing about him is he's 23 years old already. So yeah. I, I said this before Summer League. I was like, he's got to make his impression this summer or I, I think it's pretty much done for him. Um, I mean, you never know. He could come back and end up playing when he's 30 like uh, Taya Dosich. But uh, I just don't see it, man. I, I thought it was interesting the Nuggets held him out yesterday. Uh, who knows what that is related to. Maybe maybe they like him and they, they want to bring him on. I don't really think it's the case. But we'll see. Like I said, I think we're all on the same page. Uh, Rudicevic and Cornelly are... European players. So let's get to Monty Morris. Uh, Gordon, I'll let you, like you were saying, you said you saw him develop over over Summer League. I thought he, yesterday was his, his best game of some, Summer League by far. Not to say he has been bad on the other ones, um, but I thought yesterday he looked like a guy who's ready to at least be on an NBA roster. Not contribute, but at least be on one. I am I am very impressed with with Monte Morris. Uh, I mean I, I loved him in in college, but he's another one of those guys that you're like, well yeah, that's a college guy who is going to struggle against NBA length and whatever. And then you see him in the middle of the summer league paint, like just you know I don't care. There's seven foot guy around me and I'm going to score. And right. then this guy's around right. me and I'm going to score. And this guy's around me, I can pass this ball off. He had he struggled in the beginning, but he has all of the the tool sets you would need. Uh, to be successful. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's going to have to get in the gym a little bit. You know, but I mean, come on. It, 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 there are plenty of guys uh, who aren't the biggest and strongest guys who can be decent bench players for a, quite a long time. Um, and we, I mean, we had Ty Lawson be a pretty good starter while not being the biggest or strongest guy. Right. Um, right. You know, I Ty was stronger than Monte Morris. He benched, Ty was a, deceptively strong guy He's for his size. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. For sure. his size. Exactly. Whereas Monte Morris isn't that. Um, but even so, Monte can work on that, and there's everything else in his game. He already knows how to play. Yeah. He has always yeah. known how to play basketball, and it, it looks like even at the NBA level, he's going to be able to find a way to make it work. I mean, you're. I don't know if he's going to be Aaron Brooks or – you know, that kind of player, but the guy should be able to make it work from uh, a 15 minutes a game as a bench player kind of role. And that's all I really want from him anyway. So that's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things that I liked most about Morris in college was how efficient he was with the basketball. Right. Just yeah. making the offense, not turning the ball over. And I bring this up all the time that he had the highest assist to turnover ratio of any point guard in, in NCAA history right. when he graduated. It was like 4.3 assist-to-turnover ratio. His assist-to-turnover ratio in Summer League mm-hmm. 4.3. 4.3, right but, on. So he's well, what's impressive about that, that is still that was in the, in the beginning. He so turnovers. up, not turn the ball over. And like that's, that's really all you want. He was the you know, 51st pick in the draft. Like If he can become a third-string point guard, that's fantastic. It's, again, it's the same thing kind of with Louis Beasley. Like, here's a guy... He can fill this role. We know what we're getting out of him. Like that, that has value. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, like you guys were saying, he didn't. Uh, he that's that's the number one thing about Morris is he doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't put your team in a bad situation. Um, and, and when he had the highest assist to turnover ratio in the history of the NCAA, it's not like he was doing that at some you know in some tiny little conference somewhere. I mean, he was with Iowa State. That's the Big Twelve. That's and I'm not the best college basketball conference, but one of the top ones. I mean, it's still a Power Five conference. Um, and, it's, and they had a lot of good point guard play, so it wasn't like he was playing nobody. Right, right, Frank, exactly. You know, Frank Mason was there. You had other sorts of guys who were over there. 
Exactly. Uh, you know, the guy who Monty Morris really reminds me of, and now this is really high praise, um, but I, I think he, he reminds me so much of, of Andre Miller in, in that he's not, you know, he's very good with the basketball like we've talked about. Um, he's not a, he's not a three point shooter, but he's right. really good at operating in, inside the three point line and getting those mid range shots and finding a way to finish, um, over, over taller defenders. We saw that a number of times yesterday. I thought he had this great move where he spun, uh, at the three point line to get by his defender. And then the center comes out, uh, to help on defense. And he does this, he does a floater from, from the free throw line and it goes in, which is not, a high efficiency shot, but he nailed it, and and that's what I like seeing in him is he's got the he's got the creativity uh, to be able to get his shot off even when he's going up against bigger defenders, and then he's got of course the intelligence um, to to like we said put his teammates into into good positions. Uh, I think he's going to get a spot on the roster. I, I we were kind of talking about this pre um, pre pod. I, I think he might be the fifteenth man on the roster. Right. Uh, he could potentially though be the 16th or 17th man because, as we know, the CBA has these new two-way contracts. Uh, Gordon, I, I I already know who you're going to say, but I'll ask you: Who do you think is um, uh, out of this summer league roster a player who might get one of these two-way contracts where they spend most of the time in the D league, uh, but have an opportunity to come up and play in the NBA a little bit? Well, it's so it's so tough to to say when we don't have a D-League squad. I don't know whose agent is going to say, yeah, go have a two-way contract with Denver, you know, be developed by some other team and see what happens. Yeah, But for me, I it could be Morris because we may use the 15th man for other things. Right. And I would think, you know, if they're going to take somebody on a D-League two-way contract, it would be Tory Craig. Maybe um, that's what I think you be, would say. Because he's a, he's a wing. Like, they need a, they need a small forward defender. They need... Yeah. A guy who can defend the two and the three, and uh, you know maybe to pull some Wilson Chandler spot switching onto some small fours, because they they don't have that guy. Uh, they just don't. So if you're looking for a role that you need filled, that's why I think Craig might actually get the 15th roster spot, just because they might need him around um, for those that's sorts of true. duties. Uh, and that way Morris can go ahead and, and get more actual game time playing as opposed to watching. Because Tory Craig is twenty, like what, twenty eight, twenty seven. He's yeah, he's up there. I'm not sure, but he, well, he's he's been a pro. Like he's he's played in pro leagues for many years. Unlike twenty six, you know, twenty six. Okay. okay, so you know it, those guys. He's got he's in his prime. He's ready to go. He's already, you know, he knows his game. And as Dan was saying earlier, knowing your role is half the battle for being effective at your role. When you're trying to do something that you should not be doing, you're hurting your team. But when you know what you need to do, and Tory Craig knows what his game is, man. Like, he knows what he brings to a squad. And so those guys might actually be better as end-of-bench guys than somebody like uh, Monty Morris who's still um, trying to figure out, you know, his footing in the NBA and getting under underway in his, in his pro career. But, yeah, one of those two guys is going to be a – uh, a two-way contract guy, and one of them's going to be the 15th man, in my opinion. I, I really don't think it's going to be Monte Morris unless the Nuggets move Jameer Nelson. Yeah. Correct, because yes. They, they can't add Monte Morris and go into training camp with Morris, Moody, Nelson, Murray, yep. Harris, Agreed. Barton, Beasley. Beasley. That's seven guards. Like you can't 
That's that's no. like still like two fewer than the power forwards they had on the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they keep promising us roster consolidation, right? So mm-hmm. at some point they're going to trade these guys for a fifty fifth, uh, fifty five protected second round pick, and yeah. uh, that'll be that. Maybe maybe the Conkeys have figured out how to make like point guard Fultron. <laughs> put them all together into one super point guard. That would be nice. Uh, just be just real West. quick on Craig. Um, I think you bring up a good point, Gordon. Because these two-way contracts, you're limited to 45 days up at the right. NBA level. And, and, and Craig, that's not games, man. That's days. That's days, right. Right Now, obviously, if you are um, if you can make it happen quick enough, you can call a guy up on on game day and then send him back Correct. down the next day. You could try and make Which it work. Which would be easier but... if you had a team in Loveland, sure. for instance, instead of, you know, <laughs> no Idaho Falls. Uh, right, right. But but the thing about Craig is, like you said, he's a, um, you know, he, he he's a role player. He's never going to be anything more than that. He's an emergency role player. And so you want to be able to have him up if he if you have an emergency. Uh, so I, that's a good point. I think you're right. He might be. He might actually end up being the 15th guy, whereas Morris is still a guy you're developing, so you can keep him in the D League. Uh, you're not actually in an emergency situation like Dan brought up too. You've already got three point guards, so you you probably right. don't need an, a fourth point guard. Um, all right, one more thing on summer league, and then we'll then we'll take a break. But I want to get into Tyler Lydon. Because let's, we're not going to sugarcoat it. He looked pretty awful. Let me grab uh, a fire extinguisher for Gordon real quick. <laughs> Man, um, he looked pretty awful in summer league. There's, there's, there's really no way around that. And I think Tyler would be would admit that as well. Um, Dan, how much should we look into it? Should we make much of the performance at all, or should we just like you know this is summer league, whatever? Um. I think the thing with summer league is you can never really tell, like just because the roles are different. Right. With with some players, you're like, okay, like he's really good, but then he might have not have that role in the NBA, and then wow, he's really bad at that, but then his role changes, or you know, there's like an injury. There's so many things that could go wrong. But if you look at things like ability to make a decision, uh, like <laughs> ability to not fall on defense. Ability to rebound, like those are things that you can project. Be like, wow, he can't do basic functions, right? Like, <laughs> just even getting on the court, like watching Lighting, I was just like, oh my gosh, man, he can't even. He doesn't even belong on the court in right. the summer league. So how does he? Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't belong on on the court in summer league. How, how do we expect him to belong on an actual NBA court? And I think that's a good point. I think you can definitely glean more negatives in summer league uh, than you can positives. You know, I look at a guy like Nikola Jokic. Um, you, the first time I ever was like really into his passing was was at summer league. But you had to take it with a grain of salt because you're like, well, he's doing this against summer league competition. So I think on on the positive side, you can look at things and say, hey, he was good at that uh, in this role. Maybe it'll translate to the NBA. I think on the negative side, like you guys have been saying, you can say, hey, he can't even uh, do this in summer league. How, how can he do it in the NBA? Now, Leiden is a guy who's obviously very dependent on people creating opportunities for him. He's not a, he's not a shot creator in himself. He's not playing with the great talent around him. So some of that, you know, how much better could he be if he's getting fed shots from a guy like Nikola Jokic or even a guy like Jameer Nelson? Uh, 
I think that that's that's fair, and so I would I would caution people who think, man, he's terrible, and he couldn't even he, he didn't even shoot well. Go ahead, Dan. I want to jump in before Gordon unleashes, but again, but like <laughs> summer league is also a very different brand of basketball than college or NBA. Yeah, yes. summer league is player point guards that can attack the basket and look to score are going to thrive there. Like Den Smith had an amazing summer yep. league. Donovan right. Mitchell had an amazing summer league because they're guards that can Malik attack Beasley. and shoot. They're easy, but like. Uh, Monte Morris is more of a patient guard that's going to mm-hmm. like probe and kind of like take mid-range jumpers, set up his teammates. He's not as an aggressive, powerful of a guard. Right. So, yeah, like Leiden is going to struggle because he kind of needs someone to help set him up. It's not the best situation for him, but like that again, he he was just so he struggled in so many different ways. It's it's really hard to it's hard to positive it, right? right now about his game. Absolutely. Gordon, what, what were your thoughts on Leiden in, in Summer League and how much you can read into it? Uh, I agree with, with Dan that basically Summer League is to show you um, how guys look against people of comparable talent. It's If you were watching guys in a pickup game, you'd be like, wow, that guy's more athletic. That guy's mm-hmm. jumper is sweet. Look at the way that guy passes across the court. Like You're looking at functions and not necessarily results. Um, the problem is... Leiden looked scared. Like, he stopped yeah, shooting. Yes. He would he throw the ball to other people. He would get it, oh, and he'd be open, and he'd say, no, I don't want to do that, and right. pass it away. He was not prepared, and that really bothers me. His one skill is shooting, Like, and that's only in practice when there's no one defending him. Right. But his skill, he looks good shooting the basketball. But aesthetics don't get you anywhere in the NBA. Like Jimmer looks fine shooting a basketball too, but he can't play in the NBA. Like that, that doesn't help you. You you've got to be able to be aggressive. You've got to be able to get your shot off. You've got to have be able to know that there's a guy in your face and you take the shot anyway because you have that kind of self confidence. And I don't think Lydon has any of that right now. Yeah. Lydon and, yeah. and the game is very mental. And I, I'm not gonna say that he can't get that confidence and he can't fulfill that role of being a um, Ryan Anderson-type three-point shooter, um, you know, who, who can do a little bit of uh, rebounding and blocking inside. I, I'm not saying he can't do it, but he's not there yet, and he's not going to be there this year. That guy needs to go to a D-League team for the whole year, just practice against people who are uh, not so using a... Yeah, yeah. Well, and who, uh, you know, at the NBA distance in, you know, with NBA kind of talent. Playing man-to-man defense. Man-to-man defense in a role that he will have in the pros, and then we'll go from there. But uh, right now, yeah, he is completely lost on both ends of the court, has no confidence that he can do anything, and didn't do anything. Like, that that guy is not ready. That It was a project pick, and I don't like project picks when your role is – your upside of the project pick is, again, that eighth man. Right. You're hoping right. that Tower Wyden's role will eventually be to be the eighth man off the bench as a stretch 3-4 uh, catch-and-shoot guy. That's what you want him to be, and he's a couple years away from even that. Yeah. Yeah, no, again, I agree with both of you guys. I think um, I think you're spot on on Leiden and, and how much we can glean off of it. Um, anybody else you guys want to talk about from Summer League, Gordon? Any, I mean, Robert Carter Jr. or... I, I like them, but no, no, like all those guys are scrubs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I like Robert Carter Jr., but and I and I think he might get a shot with somebody, but I don't think it's gonna be us because we have nineteen power forwards. So, 
Yeah, you know, what he is. Uh, the number one thing I got took from Robert Carter Jr. was he is not in NBA shape. Um, right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's been his. I mean, that was him in college too. He's in better shape now than he was in college. He like and the reason it. he went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, there's not. There's a lot of guys in summer league who are not uh, not in NBA shape. I think, which is why you see, I think the second year guys uh, like Malik and Wancho do so well because they're they're not only are they more experienced and they know what kind of the NBA speed is like, but they're also just physically in so much better <laughs> shape than than anybody right. else. Um, all right, well, good. We'll uh, we'll wrap, put a bow on summer league now. Well, we'll uh, we'll uh, wait till next year to get back into that. Uh, I guess the last thing I would say is never pick up the gamer on the constellation. Game that is correct. That's, that... that's self-induced torture. So um, <laughs> we'll go ahead. We'll take a break, and then uh, Alexa, I want to talk about the off-season. We've kind of been dodging the D-League thing, but I know we're all chomping at the bit to get into that. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, and then we'll talk about jerseys because it's always fun to talk about that. So we'll go ahead and take a break and we'll be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on. Or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Stiffs here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in Denver, Colorado, and that's Porter Lorry. You're listening to his single, Escape My Skin, right now, and if you're liking what you're hearing, his album, Hell or High Water, is available on iTunes. Also, you can check out his website, porterlorry.format.com. That's P O R T E R L O R I dot format.com. Give them a listen. I broke out of every place that tried to keep me in, but I can't escape my can't escape my skin. And so we spoke 
Again, so he spoke that loader cast a meal. But now the rings we bore is hard with no one there to hear. Yes, now the rings we bore is hard. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Mikosh, uh, sitting here with Dan Lewis down in Littleton. We've got Gordon Gross from Colorado Springs on the phone. Just wrapped up the first half, obviously, had a lot of, a lot of talk about Summer League um, and everything that went on this week out there. Now we're going to shift gears. We're going to kind of look forward to this, it's sort of this down period now, right? We've got uh, all the big free agent signings are done. Draft is done. Summer League is done. Big trades are a lot less likely at this point. Uh, but there's still some some stuff to do, certainly in the Nuggets case. Uh, and, and the number one thing, I think, in the offseason that's, that's out there right now uh, is, is Mason Plumley Because he's, he's interesting. Mason, of course, is a restricted free agent. But I don't think I've heard of anybody, uh, any even a whisper of people even talking to Plumley. And then on yep. the summer league uh, broadcast, they had Tim Connolly on, and he said he was excited to be getting Mason back. Now, obviously, nothing. There's no no official. The Nuggets have given Mason a qualifying offer, nothing else. Um, but Connolly sounds very confident. Mason Plumley is coming back, Dan. Good, bad. Should they? What do, what do you think about the idea of Plumley being added back into this roster with the the bajillion power forwards? Uh, well, I I think that um, the, one of the unfortunate side effects of acquiring Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon and Paul Millsap in the offseason is that when they originally acquired Plumley, they kind of wanted him to play a little bit next to Jokic, right? And a lot of Stiffs writers thought that was a terrible idea. And it looks like now that they're not going to be able to find minutes. Uh, I, I talked about this in an article about lately, but like, you know, if if they have eight guys that they want to play at par four, that's like six minutes per game. And I don't think that they want. To, <laughs> if there's so many other better options, I don't think they want to give six minutes of the allocated allocated time to Mason Plumley. But I also wanted to comment just as well on his free agent status. Like, I think it's great that there hasn't been any rumors because. The Nuggets offered him a $4.59 million of qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. If he accepts it, then next year he'll be an unrestricted free agent. He can go wherever he wants. Right. He doesn't have to worry about the Nuggets matching an offer. And if the Nuggets can get him at one year for under $5 million, like that is a great contract for yeah. Mason Plumlee. Like yeah. you're, getting, you're getting a great backup center at the NBA for $5 million bucks. At, Yeah, at which essentially would be basically what the biannual exception is almost what that dollar amount works out to. Obviously, that's not what they're signing Mason. Like you said, he's on a qualifying offer. I agree. That is a great contract for the Nuggets, and I think it's a way uh, for them to save face more than anything because it doesn't seem like Mason really is in the long-term plans. It's kind of hard to figure out where he fits, like you said, with all these power forwards um, because Jokic is going to play 30 to 33 minutes a game. That's where you want him to be. We so hope. Mason's going to play, what, 15 to 18? That that If you ended up having to pay that guy $15 million or $12 million, um, I'm trying to remember what Olenek got. I think he got $12 million per. Was it? Uh, yeah, it was like twelve yeah, fifty. Like, you know, like four fifty. I was yeah. say with, with Plumlee as well, like he's if he's looking at the roster, he's like, man, now my minutes just got crunched because I can't play power forward at all. Like mm-hmm. I should just take this one-year offer and just be like, I'm just going to get out of here and try right. to get more money somewhere else because they just signed Plum or they just signed Millsap for three years. 
They've got Lyles for another two years. Yeah. They got Leiden for, for four, four years. Yeah. Like they're probably going to try to re-sign Lyles, mm-hmm. depending on how well he plays. But he'd be like, you know what? I'll just be here for a year, try to look as good as I can as a backup center, and then go somewhere mm-hmm. else. Like, I think it's a great situation that the Nuggets are in with them. Yeah, I I agree. I think it, it's I think it's actually a really crappy situation for Mason though, because you're right. He, he's basically at this point, uh, he should probably bet on himself and just take the QO and 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 try again next season. The thing that sucks though is he might only get 15 minutes a game. So how much value is he going to create? Uh, playing in that role, it's almost like he's going to need to take the QO and then take maybe a one and one if he can get it, and then maybe after that, finally he'll be able to get um, get a lucrative deal. It's it's a tough one. It's it's a, it's a really interesting situation. Gordon, what what would you do with Mason Plumlee? Well, I think the Nuggets are going to play him at power forward. So yeah. <laughs> never doubt Coach Malone. <laughs> you. Gordon, you think I'm kidding, but like seriously, <laughs> I'm still expecting him to get eight or ten minutes a game at power forward. Um, but can you as play far small as forward? yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you defend point guard? We're just curious, Plumley. Can you do that for us? Um, really, I mean it's it's good. Like we don't literally. You look at our our roster, and we have like nine guards, nine forwards, and Jokic at center. We don't have a backup center. The backup center is Paul Millsap, which is sort of okay because he actually has done that in Atlanta. Hold on, hold on, Gordon. I'm going to correct you. The backup center is Kenneth Three. Coach. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yep. Except that, yeah, having him play with what we have now with no Gallo on the wing, holy crap. Like, <sighs> that is, yeah, yeah, it's true. You always had Gallo as that stretch four next to um... – yeah. I think it's maybe Trey Lyles. If you play him, he can, can kind of fill that Oh, role. God. Trey Lyles and his 29% three-point shoot. Or three-point shoot. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll get off a little tangent here about Trey Lyles. It's kind of interesting because um, he's, he's – everybody wants him to be this stretch forward, but he – I mean, he did a little bit of that in college, but he was much more of a uh, just your standard kind of like Paul Millsap is on offense, but without that without that three point game. Um, he he's Darrell yeah. Arthur without defense, and before Darrell Arthur figured out how to shoot threes. Right. Well, Ly- I don't know what that forward. is, but that's what Trey Lyles yeah. is right now. He, Lyles played small forward at Kentucky because if you remember way back when, I'm trying to think. So he was on the roster with, with Towns. Carl Anthony Towns and, and um, Willie Kleistein. Yep. Yep, so right. he was miscast at college because it's like he's six ten. He's a yeah. power forward and he had to play the three. Carl right. Anthony Towns is seven foot and he had to play the four. And then Willie Kleistein is just there at center anyways. So uh, I think it's a term Jalen Rosie's, but Trail House is more like a stretch mark four. You know, stretch mark four. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, like, but he's kind of been you know out of position at Kentucky, you know, behind Derek Favors. Yeah, and then he You're got right replaced time. by Joe Johnson and Boris Diaw his yeah. second year. It's like and Ingles, there, there, right? And, yeah. yeah, there 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 could be some tools. He he's got two years to prove it for the Nuggets. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Dan. Um, right now, looking at it as the roster is, who who's the backup power for it opening day? It's still plumbing. Kenneth Freed, unless they. Well, so do you think they well, move actually, Freed or they? I, I should hold on. I want to. I want to make. I want to apologize right there. They're never trading Kenneth Freed. The, the backup part for it is Kenneth Freed. There you go. Fair enough. Well, yeah. you know, I have to tell you that's probably true. We they've been trying to move Kenneth Freed for two and a half years, and it hasn't happened. So I'm pretty sure he's going to be here. 
Right, and just as his contract gets more and more reasonable every year, but yet they they continue to uh, um, they continue not to. I don't talk yourself into it. I don't. No, I am talking myself into it. I, <laughs> he's the guy. It seems like he's got to be the guy that they're going to move because what? Why? Why trade for Trey Lyles otherwise? Like what? What's because you're going to move him to Indiana and you screwed that up. That's why. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that would, obviously what we know a lot of happened. That sounds like the tree Lyles probably might have been part of a package um, um, to Indiana. Speculating, at least that's that's what it seems like. He's an Indiana guy. Uh, we know the Nuggets were involved in a three-team deal that would have got them Kevin Love. That had India. That, so them sending guys back to Indiana, uh, and obviously Paul George and Cleveland. That fell through though. Now so they're stuck with Lyles, and I'm. I, I don't know. I just, I just tend to think he, he, because he is a similar type player uh, as Paul Millsap. Like we've been saying, he's not obviously cannot play defense like Paul Millsap can. Very few people can, uh, and he doesn't have as good of a shooting touch. But he's kind of like a, a poor man's version of Paul Millsap, I guess, in a way. Uh, so I can see. I just think he's the guy for me. If I, if you're going to ask me who the backup power forward is uh, when the season starts, I think it's Lyles. I think. I think they give away free, maybe for like a second round pick. Honestly, is what I. Uh, yeah, I they they bad. may if they're gonna do it. I think they I think Fareed's going for a second round. They're not gonna get they're not gonna get much for anybody who they trade at this point. I mean, they, it's so clear how desperate they are, and they get more and more desperate every day. Well, and um, everybody's roster is full, man. They have everybody exactly. already. Like, what are you? How are you trading anybody? So then they're gonna do exactly what you said before and be like, well, we'll just hold them and wait for somebody else to have an injury or a need, and then we'll move them. And then right. they'll probably give him to a rival who uh, beats them into the playoffs, <laughs> and uh, it'll be amazing. It's like, yeah. it's like putting a sofa outside in your front yard with a sign that says free on it, but you live in Highlands Ranch. <laughs> everyone, everyone there already has a sofa. Like, no one's looking for free. Yeah, they, they don't need your sofa. No one's driving around looking for your sofa. <laughs> Man, we have some great metaphors on this podcast. I'm liking it. Um, all right, let's switch it. Gordon, I'll, I'll go back to you. Let's switch to this uh, guard rotation. Just let's, who's who's getting minutes in, uh, out of the guards on this team? They got to trade somebody. Like, <laughs> I hate to tell you this, they got to trade somebody, and I they're think that they're like probably going to trade next draft. They're they're going to make somebody take like Moutier along with Fareed for something. Like that, because you you've got to clear out some space. If you're if you're going ahead and you're starting Murray, which they're going to do because that they've said that. So, yeah. you know Jamal Murray is your starting point guard, except you know in case of you know dire emergency he's not. But that's what he is, and Jameer would then go back to being your backup if you're keeping Jameer, which you probably will through at least the trade deadline. Uh, right. Because you want to make sure that you have you're, you you're trying to make a playoff team now. You've got to have a veteran hand, and you've got Jameer on hand. So you're not going to trade for another one. So right. you know unless this like long rumored Brad Wanamaker thing ever happens, uh, the guy that they're going to rely on is Jameer. So Jameer's your backup. Murray's your starter, uh, and that leaves no minutes for Moutier. He doesn't have any minutes. He's not reliable. You can't you you can't trust him with the bench unit. He plays well next to Jokic. But everyone plays well next to Jokic, so what am I going to do with that? Right. Like, I, I don't – you don't have minutes for for uh, Moutier, and you can't bench him for a year and then trade him after that. So they're going to they're gonna basically throw Moutier away this summer. They've got to, um, right. which then leaves you with – Beasley is the backup um, shooting guard behind um, Gary yeah. Harris. Yeah, we got, got Will Barton still. Uh, Will Barton is going to be uh, playing some three – 
Right. He's going to be playing some three while um, you've got Wilson Chandler playing some three and some four. Like, we're going to be too full. We're going to be too full. Like, it's going to happen again. It's going to look just like last year. Oh, my gosh. Not that, not that I don't like Wilson Chandler at the four. I think he actually is, uh, uh, fits well in this era of the NBA. But, man, <laughs> last thing we need to do is play a guy out of position at the four. We've got plenty of guys who play in position there. Um, I... I <sighs> I tend to disagree with you about Moutier. I think if if I'm just guessing, uh, I think I think if they're gonna they'll make a choice between him and and Jameer, and I think Jameer is actually the one who might end up at least at first. Uh, will Jameer will be the guy who ends up losing out on minutes? I think they're gonna they're gonna go all in if they don't trade him. Um, if they keep Moutier, then I think they got to go all in and be like, all right, this is your chance. You're gonna be the backup to Murray. You're gonna get. Your minutes, and if you can't do this, then then it's over. Uh, at least for for the Nuggets, I, I, that's kind of the way I feel that they're going to go. Um, Dan, what do you think, man? Do you think this is the end for Moutier? I think he's just you know got to prove it in training camp in the beginning of the season. Yeah. To be honest, like I I agree with you, Zach, that I think that they're going to try to give Moutier backup minutes. They're going to start Jameer. Or, um, Jamal and Gary Harris, Will Barton will be the first guard off the bench. Moody yeah. will come in at like you know three minute mark of the first quarter to pull for Jamal, who's gotten tired by then. And then if that's if in training camp he he wins the backup wow. job over Jameer because I, I think as much as the Nuggets love Jameer on the team, I think they're just like, look, man, you're on an expiring contract. We mm-hmm. got to figure out what we have with Amanda Moody. If he's healthy, he's going to play backup. Right. And uh, after that, like, if the other way I could see him getting some minutes is Jameer backs up Jamal, Will backs up Gary, and then Manuel is the fifth guard. Yeah. He plays backup shooting guard and backup point guard. And gets maybe, like, what, 10, 12 minutes a game or something like that. Yeah. They could do that. He plays the blowout losses, blowout wins. He'll get a couple minutes. Right. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that as well. Um, it's a, it's one of the I think it's almost as big a, as good of a question as, as the power forward one honestly it's because because I, and I think Jameer Nelson is really the thing because he does not want to sit on the bench we know that from talking with Jameer plenty of times um, but the Nuggets have shown don't forget two seasons ago they traded for DJ Augustine when Jameer was hurt Jameer got healthy and they just left him on the bench so they've shown that they are willing to put him down uh, if they think it's for the best interest of the team yeah and then all said, the other man, veterans had a problem with that dude like that right. was. Uh, and all of the, you know, that's where some of the friction happened with Wilson Chandler and, and some exactly. of those guys, uh, who didn't seem to like the changing roles and the, um, uh, altered expectations that came right. with a, with a crowded roster. Like they, they still, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Who would you rather have on your team right now? Emmanuel Moutier or Brandon Knight? Hmm. It's so here's the debate with that. It's Moutier's upside because I think we kind of know what Brandon Knight is, but Brandon Knight is a better player than Moutier is right now. So it is. it's it's that it, that's the gamble. Do you, do you think Moutier will, will can ever reach some of this upside to get to be a better player than Brandon Knight? I'd stick with Moutier just because I don't think Brandon Knight's that good. So you might as well well go with the guy who might end up turning out to be to be decent. Um, Gordon, what do you think? Well, uh, I've said uh, all along that 
Moody, well, not all along. I've said since the about December of Moutier's second season that uh, uh, his value on his contract is going to come on his second contract, not his first, if you do anything. So if you're looking to have anybody who's going to play for you in the next two years, I don't think it's Moutier. So, right. y- you know, yeah, you may just wind up hanging on to Moutier and getting him for a really cheap deal, When and when he's 24, he'll figure it out, and it'll be amazing for you. Um, but Brandon Knight, he's better now. Like, I would swap them pretty clearly, just because... You have Paul Millsap right now. What else are you doing around him? You know, right. he's here for two or three years. You, you know, also you to, have you also have to pay Brandon Knight forty million dollars over the next three years. That, yeah, that's that, that, that <laughs> well. Extra. I have to pay. I have to pay Fareed. You know, twenty four. You move Fareed and Moutier for him. It's the same price. What do I care? I that's have true. you know a hundred million power forwards. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll tell you what, though, we're getting we're getting long on time here, so I'm going to shift us. Uh, I want to talk about one more thing about off season, and then I want to get into a few odds and ends. Uh, is but Dan, so you put up an article uh, this this uh, this week. Always always good for the clicks. These the trade articles. Um, but I thought you I thought yours was interesting because it wasn't it wasn't like these giant oh the Nuggets should trade for this crazy superstar. Not not even a guy like Eric Bledsoe. I think everybody thinks that's who they should trade for. Um, I thought you, you it was interesting because you proposed more what's really more realistic type of NBA trades, which are you know naturally people hated those. Yeah, they they hate realistic trades, so that was <laughs> which, is, which is why Dan got blasted in the comment section. For I it. did. <laughs> um, but why, why don't you talk through or at least talk through what, what, what your favorite one uh, was of that you were proposing? Yeah, so I, in the article I just wrote about how there's you know the Nuggets really could use another backup small forward. Um, whether that's moving a guard or moving a parkour to try yeah. to restore that roster balance. It's not, I wasn't looking more like a consolidation because those are the fairy tale trades of, you know, our garbage for Eric Bledsoe <laughs> kind of thing. So the, the three, the three trades I had was one was trade Kenneth Reed to Atlanta for Kent Bazemore. Uh, the second one was trade Darrell Arthur to New York for Lance Thomas. And the third one, uh, well, it was like a combo was trade Will Barton to the Los Angeles Clippers for Wesley Johnson or Sam Decker. Okay. I, um, the Sam Decker one's interesting with me because we're getting, well, I guess he, he, he could play small forward, right? So you could have him. He's kind of a wancho. He's what he's wancho. The, he's yeah. the same size as Wilson Chandler. Really? Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Like height and weight. Height and weight. He's the exact same. Um, in every way, Wilson a little bit better at dribbling on the fast break as we as we know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the one I was really actually interested in the most about, though, was Kent Bazemore, because he, the thing that sucks about Bazemore, like like Brandon Knight, is you got to pay him. He's He's got a pretty... Bazemore um, has a pretty hefty deal. Pretty hefty deal. Well, he's it's more, it's, player, it's right? more hefty... Yeah, but it's more hefty... No, he's not. It's, yeah. it's more hefty than, um, uh, than Brandon Knight's deal. Like, he's getting more money than Knight. Yeah. Yeah, because he's getting, like, what, like, almost, like... Fifty million over three years. That's what I say. I say yep. teens is what I was thinking. He got yeah, a ten right he's getting sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. I think for the next three. But he fills a role, whereas Fareed is kind of an, an extra. Um, and you do take Fareed's twelve million off the books over two seasons, so that's it makes it a little bit it, easier to swallow. It so frustrates me that Fareed, if Fareed would just accept a backup role and be a badass twenty-two minute a game. Death killer on like the boards and energy and dunking, he would right. be so good. Like it would be perfect. The idea that he needs to start and you have to work your whole lineup around that really complicates things. Um, maybe with Millsap there. I mean, he's always said he's the best power forward on the roster, 
and he pretty much has been. He's not lying. No, yeah, you know, he has been <laughs> the best traditional part. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Sure. I'm trying to think before him. I mean, since Kenya Martin, right, it would have been the last guy on. The yeah, team I, I mean, they had, they had the day. Yeah, but is he a center? Or is he a power forward? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, really, Fareed, Fareed, well, is Fareed a center or a power forward? Haven't we had that argument before? <laughs> so, <laughs> but Anyways, seriously, but, like, but, Millsap is here. Like, Millsap is here now. He is obviously better than Kenneth Fareed. Will Kenneth Fareed be okay with being Millsap's backup? If he is, you probably shouldn't move him. Like, the guy's the best power forward on the roster who's not named Kevin Millsap. Like, and he's cheap. I don't know anybody on the on the roster named Kevin Millsap, but uh... ah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but the the reason I put the basement one on there is because I think the Atlanta Hawks are in a rebuilding stage and they would like to get yeah. their basement contract. Yeah, oh sure. And the Nuggets right now are in a really unique salary situation where their best player, their youngest core players, aren't being paid very much. And so, like the Millsap contract is great because it's just three years, mm-hmm. and you can afford to go a little bit towards the luxury tax which is different than the salary cap yeah there's, right. tw- there's a 20 million window that you have to work with and i think if the nuggets can get base more on there then after his third year you can take that salary off the books and you can create like 18 you know an 18 million dollars in cap space right and so for the next three years you have a guy that's yeah he's getting overpaid but like you know like the nuggets can say look like we're probably not going to bring him back but like we need someone here in case Wilson Chandler gets injured, in case Wancho gets injured. And like, yeah, he's overpaid, but you know who else is overpaid? Our five power forwards. <laughs> like and so if you can move one of those power forwards for a wing, it might be a downgrading talent. Like Freed might be a better player than Basemore, a, yeah. a better contract than Basemore. But you've got to redistribute it though, I like, agree. If I need water, I'm not looking for grape juice. You know, like <laughs> I, I need you need a wing just to help provide that backup. And Bazemore, he's he gets along great with people. He's a, he's been in the league for a long time. Everyone loves him. Great teammate. Uh, you know, he can shoot the three yep. a little bit. He's a little athletic. He just now keep in he mind. fills a role in you know, in case, if Wilson Chandler leaves and Bazemore can slide to be the starting forward if Wancho's not ready. Like right. he just he's a very versatile guy that's not gonna be too upset with with the responsibilities given just a great guy. So that's that's one of my favorite trades that I listed in that article. When I will say too, like Atlanta, um, they lost a lot of their offensive efficiency when Teague left. They traded yeah. Teague and put it all into Schroeder's hands, and the Teague dynamic changed. People said that Millsap um, showed that he was starting to age last year. I'm not sure that that's true. I just think that their way they ran their offense changed last year because they went with Bazemore instead of Teague, and that, uh, or and rather with Schroeder sure, instead of Teague, sure. and that changed what happened with Bazemore, and it changed what happened with Millsap. And the other thing, so, too, is they lost uh, Al Horford, which uh, changed correct. their offense quite a bit as well. Right. Uh, so you're talking about, you know, you're you're talking about taking guys off of an Atlanta team um, that had uh, a good point guard play and good passing big men, and you're putting them back into that kind of position. You know, hoping that Murray or someone is going to actually pick up our point guard play. But, you know, in theory, it should be better. And uh, you have the opportunity to get Bazemore. He's not going to be a bargain because he's being overpaid right now. Right. But at, at the same point, you're, you have the chance to get back what, what you were originally paying for. So there are some options there as well. It's not a – I don't you, think he's on the downside. Would, you probably would not have to trade a first-round pick either because they can yeah. say, like, look – Yep. 
We're helping yep. you. Yeah, exactly. Like we're we're giving you less money on your books. You you want to play Torian Prince and DeAndre Bembry at small forward? Like we're not giving you a pick. Like we're helping you out. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Nuggets have been notorious for attaching first round picks and deals. <laughs> I don't think that they would have <laughs> that to they do don't need to one. do. Yeah. Right. Oh, just say it. Yusuf Nurkic deal. All right, let's. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> we'll get into our final section here in the pod, um, which I've, I've titled Odds and Ends, which we always put on there as we start heading into these slow things. But, um, you know, where are we at right now? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the jerseys thing. The only thing I was thinking about was the jerseys was, hey, they gave Millsap a retro one instead of their current one. Does they keep doing anything? that, but then they, they don't keep... keep... They, they gave the rookies a flag. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah great. <laughs> Something could be afoot, I guess. So if was you're, it if a you're giant white flag? Leaves. It was it a giant, the giant white No, it was Well, not, and uh, it's always possible that Nike's flag. late. You know, if Nike's late with the new jersey, then you can't do anything about it. But nobody's telling us, hang on, there'll be a jersey. Yeah, All but I've you know what? Is... Uh, I, believe, I believe any other team, I think Jimmy Butler had a jersey. I think uh, yep. um, I think all, yep. like Gordon Hayward probably had, has a jersey. I think he's getting introduced, what, today? Um I, and I know Philly. Uh, I know Markel Fultz had a jersey, so... Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, if, if there's a redesign, and they're like, we're going to hint at the redesign with, you, ho- you hold up the Colorado flag, because we're going to change to some flag colors, and uh, you hold up the rainbow jersey, because we're going to have that, too. That'd exactly. be great, but I'm not hearing any of that in the background. That's just all... That's, yeah, it's all that was wishful thinking. It's been wishful thinking for two years that they're going to get off their ass and do something with the uniforms, and it hasn't happened. Well, right, because they did, they, they did the half-assed... Um... We'll change the color of the numbering and the lettering. I know. And, <laughs> and, then, ooh, and again, but this is, this is the first year with Nike. This is the first year it was legitimately feasible to be like, Nike's going to do the redesign, they're going to make the new jersey, everything will be perfect, and they didn't do it. Or they're not yeah. doing it that they've noticed, well, and they're they're not hinting that they're doing it. They're still they're not hinting, but I, I, still, I still think the fact that they're not having, especially if they gave Millsap a retro jersey instead of the actual yep. team jersey, I think it's pretty telling in my mind. Yeah, but, it's coming, again, but they're maybe, not pushing it. Maybe Nike's working on the other actual NBA teams first before they get to the, <laughs> they get to the Nike. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, we saw your guys' attendance numbers. We're not too worried about you. Um, all right, sure. so let's, 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 I'm going to close with this, though, because we, we, we talked about it a lot in the beginning, which is the Nuggets, of course, will not have a D-League affiliate this season. Uh, that is official. They announced it was maybe about a month or so ago. They said, okay, hey, these teams added it. This is this is the this and that's it. Yep. Right. And this is what we're going forward with. Um, Gordon, I know that I know you're really passionate about this one. I mean, what what are they doing? Like like I mean, it I said it a little bit. Crazy. I think they're being cheap. Um, yes, they are being cheap. Um, there is no good reason that you couldn't figure this out when you knew two years ago this was coming. Right. Like you have had two years to find a site to go ahead. I mean, there's places. You have Broomfield. You have Loveland. You have Colorado Springs. You have any number of places in your own state to make this happen like other teams have that have bought D-League teams and then moved them to their home states because you wanted to have a team affiliate this close. For Denver, you want to train in altitude. You don't want to have a team in Omaha. Right. You don't want to have a team at sea level. You need to have a team at altitude so that your stupid players that get called up are ready to go at altitude. They've been training at altitude just like your real team. Like, the idea yeah, that they haven't yeah. had any time for this is idiotic. They they just pushed it off. They you have what, to make the investment, and they haven't done it. You know what? I, I like what you're saying there, Gordon, and, like, the altitude is is great uh, factor to consider when they're when they're thinking about locations. I, I tend to feel, though, that because they've been so cheap, 
with with getting this team that their number one factor is where are we going to be able to sell the most tickets to this D League team? Um, which tells it's me that be in they, Omaha. I'm telling which, you. which is what I was going to say. Which tells me I think that they're probably not going to keep it in state. Um, yep. It could be you know Omaha something like that. Uh, they've they've got they've got some um, history in Nebraska, um, to Wyoming. Why? I mean, you could have a team in Cheyenne. Um, heck, you could have a team in Las Vegas. We're to gonna, be honest with you. We're gonna open a D League team, the Omaha Steaks. <laughs> the Omaha Steaks, sponsored by Omaha Steaks. No need for a patch. Well, uh, yeah, right well that's what, exactly. Well, and that's you know that helps fund the D League team. We don't have to put money into it. This is a perfect idea. <laughs> Gonna, we've seen their practice facility too. They're going to end up having this team like on an outdoor court, out or or it's going to be like the Bentonville Rollbacks, you know? Like, <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, yeah, like like I said though, I think it's it's I, I honestly more and more leaning towards going to be out of state because I think they I honestly feel like they're like trying to figure out where can we actually sell D League tickets. Um, it's so it makes me angry. Like the idea that you don't want to invest enough in your team and in your development cycle just really pisses me off that you're like well we're gonna d- draft a whole bunch of young guys because we're planning for 2024 but right. we don't have a d-league team and i don't uh understand how we're gonna get our player development to work on that time frame and right. uh we can't get all of our cool european players to come over and play in our d-league team because we don't have one and like it's just it drives me crazy yeah it's it's very frustrating um Pennywise, pound foolish. It's just dumb. Exactly, and and I think one of the like you've been bringing up, uh, one of the most frustrating parts is there seems like there's this giant disconnect between what what ownership is doing versus what Tim Connolly and, and his staff are doing because they're adding right. all this young talent. They got they've even talked about how they don't want to cannibalize um, their talent, which they seem to be doing anyways. But uh, they talk yep. about that and how that they you know so like having a D League team for them is exactly what they need. Um, but they don't. Of all the teams in the league, we're one of like the top ones that could facilitate all of this youth and have actual real NBA players in the D League. So you could come and watch Malik Beasley, who you saw in the Nuggets last year, play for your actual uh, D League team and sell tickets. Because it's not that he's just some scrub; he's actually an NBAer. We have right. all this right. stuff that would be perfect for uh, doing any of those cross promotional things for. Uh, making sure that your guys are being put in the right roles, they have the right training, they're getting to work on the right sets so that you don't have to worry about that when they get up to the NBA with us, and it just isn't happening. It's crazy. Right, right. Yeah, it's and it's another year now. It's another year lost um, Yep. That, that we have to wait for. All right, tell you what, we are we are right about at an hour, a little bit past, so we'll, I'll tell you, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Um as always, you guys, make sure to check out DenverStiffs.com if you want uh, that trade article that we were talking about that Dan wrote. Um, make sure to read it. He did a great job. It's up there right on the front page right now, um, along with a bunch of other stuff. Summer League recaps. If you if you want the lowdown on the Constellation Summer League game, we've got you covered. You know? <laughs> yeah. Make sure, to read, so. make sure to read Zach's article. He worked real hard on that. <laughs> uh, uh, but also, if you missed the Paul Millsap presser, that's up on there. Um, We've got the video from that in, in the article on it. So lots of good stuff to check out there. Follow us uh, at, at Denver Stiffs, at the Denver Stiffs on Instagram. Dan is... Oh, uh, just, uh, I just wanted to make a quick daily comment, and then I'll give you my Twitter handle. Just The Nuggets are behind the Kings and the Knicks in getting a D-League team. So yep. there's, there's your ray of sunshine to end it. 
And you can find me on Twitter at Minuteman Dan. <laughs> Minuteman Dan, if you want to bring your rage for killing the end of our podcast. <laughs> that buzzkill. Um, Gordon is at G Money Nugs, no cash sign. Uh, I am, of course, just at Zach Nikosh. And um, all right, guys, we appreciate you listening as always, and we'll talk to you next week. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill-up. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon.